Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Johnny, and welcome to episode 17 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Today, we have James Farah. Is that how you say it? Ferrer, but it's okay. Okay, cool. Uh, So, I wanted to talk to you about two things. Um, One is about how you manage your online business. Uh, So, James sells bicycle wheels online. Yes. And more importantly, and I want to spend a big chunk of this uh, podcast talking about the gym we both trained at, which is a MMA uh, gym and... It's called Phuket Top Team. Yes, Phuket Top Team. Very good gym. Yeah, and you do a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu there. Yes, yes. I train uh, Jiu-Jitsu there under the professor there, a Brazilian guy, Olavo Abreu. It's great. Yeah, it's cool. So I was really excited to, to talk about that because that was a big part of my life about four years ago. Right. And I was one of the, f- the first members there before they, they actually opened. Uh, so before we get into you know all the cool stuff about how you can afford... You know, to basically train uh, jujitsu full time, this paradise island, uh, while making money online. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the actual gym itself. What is it like now? Because it was really different when I when I first went. So Phuket Top Team, or sometimes we call it PTT, is in the south part of Phuket. I think it's been open for a little over two years, so it's a rather new gym. Um, it's in an area of Phuket which focuses on martial arts and fitness training. And it's really a booming area. It's just, it's a a destination for sure uh, for people that want to train to be professional athletes and professional fighters. It's crazy that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is now in Thailand. I mean, four, three years ago, nobody had a gi. Not a single person had a you know, a kimono to roll, you know, to do jiu-jitsu in. It was, Muay Thai has always been around and that was popular. But how, like, why did jiu-jitsu become such a big thing here? Yeah, that's a funny topic because I hear that all the time. I tell people, oh yeah, I'm going to Thailand to train jiu-jitsu. And they say, what? You're not training Muay Thai in Thailand? I thought Brazil is the place to train jiu-jitsu. Right, so for people that don't know what, a, what Brazilian jiu-jitsu is, uh, if you ever watch UFC, which is cage fighting, uh, anytime they're on the ground wrestling and they're trying to choke each other out, they're trying to you know break someone's arm to get them to submit, they're most likely doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And it, because I, I think it's the, the only martial art that actually works when you're on the ground, right? Right. <laughs> it's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or Jiu-Jitsu is um, ground fighting. So in a fight, a real fight, usually... Um, the people fighting will fall down on the ground. And when that happens, um, the dynamic of what would work and what wouldn't work to win the fight completely change. So the techniques that that work for fighting on the ground are called jiu-jitsu. Okay. Okay. And how did it, how did it originate? How did it go from Japan to Brazil? Did you ever hear about that story? Yes. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting history because... Jiu-Jitsu is basically comes from Judo. Okay. Um, judo is a martial art that involves throwing the opponent. And Jiu-Jitsu essentially comes from that and are the techniques for fighting on the ground. Um, about 50, 60 years ago, maybe a little bit more, um, Jiu-Jitsu made its way to Brazil to the Gracie family. Um, through some certain circumstances. And the Gracie family and uh, Elio Gracie transform the Japanese jiu-jitsu into what we practice today, which we call Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And not very many people practice traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu anymore. Okay. You know, it's, it's such a cool like history of, of the sport that, you know, basically it was... And I think the reason why it got so popular is because it actually worked. Yeah, it's very effective, and um, it's a surprisingly non-violent martial art. Um, there's very few injuries. There's no punching or kicking, mm-hmm. so that risk of injury um, is eliminated. But I think the cool thing about it is because you're not punching or kicking each other, 
you can spar 100% and really try to kill the other person as in choke them to death, uh, you know, put them in a lock where normally you would break their arm or their leg. And as soon as they, they give you the signal to, to stop, um, they submit through just tapping or they can verbally say tap, um, you stop and there's no injury after that. The next day you can go to work, you know, to your white collar job uh, and with no bruises, n- you know, no black eyes and you're fine. Definitely. Uh, a big part of jujitsu is a sport. Uh, having it as a sport or as a hobby. Uh, for myself, it's, it's my hobby. It's my main um, activity that I do for my personal fitness. I don't really train jujitsu thinking like I'm improving myself as a weapon for fighting on the street. But as a, as a sport, what I often hear from my friends that I introduce to jujitsu is that they're surprised that they're able to go to their 100% effort level, um, which is difficult in other sports. So let's say, for example, weightlifting. If you want to lift a heavy weight, you kind of need to psych yourself up. You maybe take a few deep breaths and and you go for it. And you're either motivated or less motivated. Well, I mean, you still warm up in jiu-jitsu. It's not like you jump straight into <laughs> to rolling. But, I mean, definitely, let's say boxing or Muay Thai. If I would have spar a friend 100%, and we'd both get injured. Right, I mean, we'd both right. have black eyes. We'd both get cut up, and we wouldn't be able to show our face, you know, to 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 the girls we're dating or to work the next day for sure. Yeah, yeah. And in jujitsu, you can come away with uh, relatively no injuries. I mean, it's very rare for somebody to get uh, injured in training. So it's a great workout. It's uh, it's a great hobby to pick up because it's something that really f- focuses dedication. It's a martial art that actually works. And I firmly believe that every man, woman, and child should learn the basics of jujitsu. Uh, so this is kind of hard to, to to demonstrate over you know over a podcast. But I want you guys to imagine somebody's choking you from the back, you know. And, and this you know this is one of the worst case scenarios of someone you know trying you know a mugger or somebody a bad guy trying to, trying to you know to grab you, right? And you can be, it doesn't matter if you're a small girl or if you're a big guy, if someone's grabs you from the back and chokes you and you don't, you don't know what to do, you're getting choked out. But there's a super simple technique in jujitsu that prevents you from blacking out or ever, you know, really ever getting choked out. And all it is, is tucking your chin in. Yeah. And you'll be surprised how many people in the world don't know that. An interesting story, one of the only times that I, I got into a, a fight was I was in the subway in Tokyo and it was late in the evening and I heard something behind me and there was an altercation between a man and a woman and this man had a, a woman pushed up against the, the wall and he was about to strike her and because I trained jiu-jitsu, I came up behind the guy and did exactly what you just said. I, I choked him from the back. It was yeah. very, very easy. Um, he didn't know that defense. Yeah. And I was surprised. I was thinking to myself like, wow, this is happening. I'm in a fight. I'm using jujitsu. And it's so easy. He has no idea what to do, but I know what to do. And so I applied a choke onto him. Um, and instantly the situation was in my control. Yeah. And, and completely diffused because he, there's nothing he could do if he doesn't like he just he can't breathe. <laughs> you know, he wasn't injured. He wasn't, there was no risk that I was going to hurt him too much. Uh, and jujitsu saved the day. Yeah. And that's the really cool thing is, you know, if I ever get into a bar fight or street fight, I'd be very reluctant to punch someone or kick someone, you know, elbow someone in the face because I don't want the repercussions of it. I don't want the cops to come and say, you know, and they're like, oh, this guy, you know, m- smashed this guy's face in. But if I, if I had just choked the guy, I could just say, I was restraining him from from punching this other person. And it's, you know, I don't know about the legal implications, but if I was a cop and I saw this guy has no bruises, you know, I have I don't have a bloody, you know, this guy doesn't have a bloody um, fist from punching a guy and the situation is diffused and, you know, the fight stopped, it's fine. Like, just, just let them go. And I think that's one of the great things about, you know, about learning jiu-jitsu as a self-defense. Um, and the point you made at first was really good is, if someone has zero jiu-jitsu experience and you've trained for even a month, you are 2,000 times better than him. Yeah, you will win. They will, there's <laughs> no way. If you, if you don't know jiu-jitsu and you go up against someone that does, you just won't win. Yeah, and you can, you can literally be a 5'2", 140-pound girl, well, 
you could be a 110 pound girl and if you choke a guy that has never passed jiu-jitsu and you get your was it your arm under his under his chin around his neck yep. and he doesn't know how to defend it you will choke him out yep um you know the thing is if both people have have learned it you know and both people have practiced then it, it becomes different you know yes. then there's a long learning curve well, one of the important things about the popularity of jiu-jitsu and the reason why a lot of people live this um, jiu-jitsu lifestyle is that there's this element of fighting, but there's a completely different element that I think is actually more attractive to the average person. And what happens when you dedicate your life to anything, say, say it's a sport, um, there's all these different associated changes that, that happen in your life just automatically. Um, say for example if you were really into surfing well you're in the ocean every day and you might see some fish and there's these other things that happen well with jujitsu the associated changes that happen in your life are so positive and they really reach into every area of friendship nutrition um, you know your daily activities and, and structure and really form a positive well-rounded lifestyle yeah, I, I definitely noticed that as well. I think it's because jiu-jitsu is actually very hard on the body. I know that you know the argument is you know you're not getting bruises or punched in the face. You know you're not really getting big injuries all the time, so it's relatively a safe sport. But I know for a fact that the people that train a lot they get little like little injuries all the time. You know you get sore. You know you always have a sore back. You always have yeah. like you know something something right? every now and then you got some kind of big scrape or a little black eye from some kind of um, accident that happens in the training nothing serious but is definitely a very physically demanding yeah. activity I would say the biggest problems is for people that do it a lot for over years a lot of them have joint problems or knee problems have, have you found that um, I have uh, I have always one injury yeah. that's bothering me more than the others and then I forget about the others so it changes from the different joints um, and I've had almost every joint be bothering me right now it's in my neck because uh, I was sparring and I I didn't want to tap to my opponent because just I I thought that I didn't need to and my neck got a little bit tweaked and yeah how what percentage of people who do jiu-jitsu regularly take ibuprofen Oh, I wouldn't know, but I, <laughs> I know that everybody has uh, everybody has some kind of some kind of nagging overuse injury when when they do an activity like jujitsu so much because um, what the people out there might not realize is that um, the average practitioner of jujitsu will train every day yeah. and because really, because of your passion, right? Because you love it fashion it's it's a great thing you know um i myself i train one time a day pretty much every day in the morning at 10 30 a.m so the structure of my life I, I couldn't imagine it to be any better than i wake up and at 10 30 a.m i go i see all my friends mm -hmm. and we train together for uh, an hour and a half and then we go on about our day yeah and it's a great exercise it's a great way to really i, I really think it's a great way to keep modest and humble because no matter how good you are there's always someone better than you oh yeah like uh the 12 year old kid that can completely dominate me <laughs> uh is like you know this light little 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 kid and but he knows the techniques and that's what matters so you know i'm a pretty big guy i'm about 205 pounds right now and you know in relatively good shape i'm okay at other sports i'm okay at more time okay at some other sports but i'm a beginner at jiu-jitsu and even though I enjoy it as a sport. I've never really dedicated, you know, the, the time and effort to, to go into it. So, but once in a while, I, I would say every few, couple of months, I would go to a class or a role and I would just get dominated by guys literally half my size. I mean, like, how much do you weigh, James? Um, I'm in between 60 and 65 kilograms, so that's maybe 130 pounds. Okay, so you're quite a bit lighter than me. Yeah, when uh, we often have, well, First off, people out there might not understand that your body weight matters um, in in a fight and especially in jujitsu because um, a heavier person can essentially just lay on top of a lighter person on the ground and that will cause the the bottom person to to be restrained. So if you're heavier, 
you you have an advantage, and that's why in um, jujitsu and mixed martial arts competitions there are weight, weight classes. classes. But at the same time, I've rolled with plenty of guys exactly your weight, and if you guys want to see a photo of of James next to me, uh, go to episode seventeen, Travel Like a Boss podcast in the show notes, and and you can see I'm you know I'm if you just saw us in the street, you'd be like, all right, well this big ball dude will will win the fight. But on the mat, guarantee. There's no way I can submit you. Uh, and, you know, in the beginning, you know, because I do a little bit of wrestling because I'm bigger and stronger, there might, you know, I might be able to just hang for a while. But I guarantee at some point you're going to submit me and there's nothing I can do about it. And this has been the case with every single, you know, blue belt I've rolled with. Because I, because you're, how long have you been your, a blue belt, James? Um, I've been training jiu-jitsu now maybe four years, maybe more. And I've okay. been a blue belt. Uh, for about almost two years. So you're an experienced blue belt, high level. I'm a not so experienced white belt. So for the people <laughs> out there that um, don't know what white belt and blue belt means, basically um, when when somebody is practicing um, jujitsu, they wear a special type of uh, uniform. You could call it. We we call it a gi, um, and it's basically like a jacket and pants made out of um, cotton. Um, and this helps with certain things. And, I, th- and there's a belt. Yeah. I think most people, you know, can imagine or have seen some kind of like Kung Fu or Karate Gi with the belts. You know, right, they yeah. So you you're the a belt. black belt. The Jiu-Jitsu is different, right? So in Kung Fu and Karate, you don't need to be wearing that outfit. There's, you can do the exact same exercise, you know, and the same, you can fight in shorts and t-shirt. I mean, you could like literally wear anything yes. in Karate and, and you don't need a belt. You don't need anything. Now, in jiu-jitsu, it's the only martial art, aside from maybe judo, where you actually use the, the – there's actually a purpose of the gi, right? Right. And what is the, what is the purpose of it? Um, the gi, being such a, a, a strong material, can provide um, a grip or a handle to grab onto your opponent. Um, and having that stronger grip and different – places to grab your opponent can provide you with the ability to do different techniques so by wearing the gi you're able to practice more of jiu-jitsu there's more options there's more things to do and your understanding of jiu-jitsu becomes deeper so how many of these gis so when you're when you're back at in Phuket Phuket top team how many gis do you own well since I'm a, a traveler yeah it's difficult for me because they're a bit heavy yeah so i have two um i keep it to a minimum um i would like to have more but they're they're tough to travel with Mm -hmm. um and they get they get a bit sweaty so it's good to have more than one yeah and especially because they take a long time to dry because they're so thick right and you can't use a karate gi because you'll instantly rip it right and there's a form of jujitsu that we call no gi so this is without wearing this gi, just wearing like um, surfing board shorts and a, a rash guard. So people do jujitsu without wearing the gi, but because it changes um, a lot of things about where, what type of techniques you can do, it's almost considered like a, a subdivision of the sport. So there's kind of two categories, gi and no gi. And, def- and the gi helps you know keep the sweat off of you so you're not slippery, so you can't just pull your arm out of a out of a technique you actually have to do the correct maneuver for it so you know and i think the gi also kind of it it takes the place of what someone would wear in a street fight so someone is wearing a jacket with a collar and a shirt and pants that you can normally grab onto that's what the gi is for yes so it does have a purpose uh so before i want to i want to ask you about life living at the top team the training the coaches cost of living all that stuff but let's first talk a little bit about your bicycle wheel business yes because that allows you to basically live out here do your passion yes full-time and make a make a living yes yes so how did you get into it um i i came from a, a background in design and then i had a web design company and i read the four hour work week and realize like, oh, wow, that's what I need to do. <laughs> and I was so very close, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and that led me to transition from my service-based business, making websites, to a product-based business, selling bicycle wheels. Um, and I sell them mostly uh, via e-commerce. 
So do you, your customers, are they mainly in the US or are they worldwide? Uh, they're worldwide. Yeah, just um, we've sold in now just about 20 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they're all over the place. Um, and that's just a, that's just a great thing that that's possible. These that's days. really cool. And it's not like you're you know stuck to one location and you have every time you get an order you have to walk down to the post office. You can you can have it fulfilled. Is is basically automatically right? Yeah, it wasn't always like that for me. There was that time where I had a bunch of boxes in my apartment <laughs> and I was filling out the address every day, and then my apartment was like completely taken over by boxes, and I I slowly moved uh, towards having a fulfillment center. Uh, unfortunately, when I was um, starting my business, the the people around me and the climate for doing this type of business wasn't the same as it is now. I guess I've, I've made more friends like you, Johnny, and, and more people that are doing it. So I didn't really have the role models and, and people around me that were doing it the right way. So there was, yeah, a lot of a lot of learning and a lot of improving and now it's uh my business is in some type of good shape of course there will be improvements in the future i still remember i think it was about eight years ago right at like i think it was while i was in university i met a guy who's a friend of a friend uh who had an ebay business where he sold cell phone accessories and i went to his you know his house so he had rented a big you know a big house three-bedroom house in irvine and one of the rooms was nothing but inventory it was just boxes of cell phone chargers and earpieces and i don't even think cases were popular at the time this is before the iphone came out and i thought it was the coolest thing in the world that he had two employees both college students that sat at this computer all day printing out shipping labels you know packaging the 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 nokia charger (laughs) walking down to the post office sending it out yeah it's cool and I thought, you know, it was fun. You know, I, I was like, man, that is the dream. That is the coolest yeah. thing in the world. So I got my first e-commerce business was selling cologne through the internet. Nice. <laughs> and I was so excited every time I would package one up and, you know, handwrite the label. I didn't even yeah. have a printer. And it was fun in the beginning. And then it gets a pain in the butt. Yeah. Then then the, the novelty wears off and putting that, that box in, into the post isn't uh, as satisfying as it once was you know even with my e-commerce store i don't ship anything out i have everything drop shipped but i still have to forward the email to my my dealer Uh to send out and literally all i do is (laughs) i forward it and say you know i have a pleasantry like hey (laughs) this is a new order please send this and i would just copy and paste the address and the order and that's it. That's literally all I do. And I still get a little bit... Now, in the beginning, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. so fun to do. I loved it. Yeah. And now I'm still thinking, you know, maybe I should automate this part yeah. of it because it's a bit yeah. more tedious. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, and you have to realize that automation and, and these types of, of improvements in fulfilling going to a professional uh, fulfillment center, this is better for the customer. Yeah. It reduces the, the risk of mistakes. It increases the speed. It increases professionalism. So... While there is an element that that we want to make things more smooth and more efficient for ourselves personally, while doing so, it definitely improves the experience for the customer. So this is nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, it's true. Because all right, so think of it this way: if you order something online at two a.m., if you have to wait for a live person like myself or, or even an employee to open that email and forward it for you know to get sent out. That you know, and let's say you order it on a Friday night or something. If the earliest that we're gonna to get to it is Monday morning, and by then we'll probably have other emails to attend to first. So your you know your order might not even be submitted until let's say Monday afternoon, right? And that's very normal. That's that's for almost every company out there, except for companies that that automate the fulfillment where. As soon as you put in that order, no matter what time of the day it is, it automatically goes to the fulfillment company, which may work Saturdays. Some of them will work 24 hours a day. And your order gets shipped out much faster, but, you know, and it's streamlined. So, yeah, James is right. It's, it's at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, it makes our life easier, but also makes the customer life, life better. What I like to do, I have my um, fulfillment automated, um, like you're saying, um, but... I like to look at and confirm every order because with automation, if, if everything is completely automated, 
there's some kind of uh, space for mistakes. You know, there's error checking, necessary error checking, and maybe something strange would happen, and you don't have the error checking for that. And just a, a glance by a human that uh, knows the full situation can prevent a lot of problems before they uh, get started. Yeah. So what, what I have is I have all my fulfillment um, information is automated when the when the order comes in, it goes right to the fulfillment center and everything's prepared. But I, I do look at every order, review it, I review what's gonna be sent out, I review everything uh, and you know incorporate knowledge of maybe previous communication with the customer and certain special requests. And then I confirm and it gets sent off. Okay, so then everything's kind of done for you. All you have to do is do the final look over Yes, this looks good. Send it out. Yes, and often when I talk to people about automation, um, you know, some a lot of guys really just love automating. Just automate everything, automate everything. possible. Well, I firmly believe the biggest problem with automation is once you automate, you can't scale and you can't grow. Uh, as you can spend your time scaling and growing other parts of your business, but as far as that specific customer, that specific part of it, you're kind of just hoping to do the least amount of work possible to maintain that. And that's honestly what I've been doing recently. Uh, the only reason why I manually fulfill my orders or I manually eat, you know, forward my emails still uh, is first, I don't get enough orders where it takes that much of my time. It's maybe a couple orders a day. You know, on average, I'm happy to get two orders a day. Sometimes on a good day, we might get five, but still that doesn't take more than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say the only downside to it is, let's say I want to disappear for four days to go camping or something with no internet. That makes it very difficult. Uh, you know, at that point, it'd be nice to have an employee or have it fully automated. Mm -hmm. But for you know, if your if your life is if you're happy with your lifestyle being be able to live on an island with internet and be able to spend every morning doing jujitsu or whatever your passion is, but you still dedicate an hour every day Monday through Friday checking and fulfilling these orders, then you're fine. There's really no reason for you not to just look at it manually and you know, be, able to, be able to catch errors before it ships out, like as you said. So this business that you have, it's, it, I mean, it basically pays for your, your cost of living, your hobby. I mean, how long did that take from implementation to really be able to make enough money online to you know, fund this lifestyle? I've been in business for myself now in different form for maybe seven years. So I've always been funding my lifestyle with my business. The big changes um, for me didn't come from increasing uh, my personal salary from my company, but they came from improving my lifestyle at a reduced cost. Um, so if you were, you know, the, the classic, uh, the balance, you can either make more money or do the same thing by spending less money. And actually you should do both of those and you can increase your quality of life drastically. That's why we, we uh, are in areas like Thailand where that's yeah. very much possible. Where were you living before Thailand? I was living in Tokyo. Okay. So cost this, living is much higher there, right? Cost living is very high. Um, and that, that limited... Uh, my ability to do the things that are fulfilling to me a as a man. Okay. Like, what are some examples of that? Um, now, my lifestyle, well, I feel very happy about my lifestyle now. Um, and I focus a lot on, on, on getting, uh, achieving my lifestyle goals. So uh, I have a, a balance of, of work and play that is very sustainable. Uh, I train jujitsu almost every day. Uh, I surf a lot. I go into the ocean, travel whenever and wherever I like. Um, I'm married. I have a wife. I have two uh, young uh, baby twin boys, identical yeah. twin boys, five months old. Very so cool. I, I like to play with them in the morning. You know, they wake up, they see me, Papa, and we play and we we learn. And that, for example, being able to play with my boys in the morning, that doesn't actually cost me anything. But what is that worth? It's worth a lot, and it wouldn't be possible if I didn't arrange my uh, business and personal lifestyle specifically to allow that. I know a lot of a lot of people in the U.S. who have these, you know, multi-million-dollar corporations that are CEO of a company that 
can't even afford to buy time to spend with their family. And being able to be able to, you know, basically have time for that. I mean, have time. I mean, you can play with your kids every day. I mean, and by being able to do that every day, you know, really whenever you want, it's that is worth more than making an extra five hundred thousand dollars a year, even for 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 a lot of people. Right. You need money to spend and time to spend it. Yeah. And then also all the best things in life are free. Uh, it really is true. Where, where did you where did you live? Before Tokyo, like where'd you grow up? Um, in, outside of Washington D.C. in the suburbs of Virginia, and then I moved to Tokyo. I lived in Japan in Tokyo maybe seven years. Okay. Um, so I started my business career in Japan. Okay. And you came to Thailand for the lifestyle and for jujitsu. Well, actually, you came here for jujitsu. <laughs> I saw my um, my my friend. I saw his uh, photo on Facebook. Uh, and I know that he's a jiu-jitsu professor and we were training together and he was away from our training in Tokyo and then I see his photo of him near these uh, crystal crystal blue waters I said where is that and my friend tells me oh yeah I'm in Thailand in Phuket like, well, what are you doing there he's like, oh, I'm, I'm teaching a jiu-jitsu seminar like, wow they have jiu-jitsu training there I need to go check it out and uh, I came here thinking that I would just maybe spend a short amount of time, but I realized that there's a, a very good lifestyle possible here, and I, my goal for my lifestyle is to live worldwide. Mm -hmm. But Thailand's a great place, so I love to spend my time here. You know, it's warm, and uh, it's just a an area that fulfill. It checks all the boxes on my list of things that. That make me happy each day. Yeah, I mean, good weather, uh, peaceful life, great food, friendly people, no stress, yeah. uh, access to whatever you really want. I mean, if you, you know, and it wasn't the case five years ago. And this is a big misconception a lot of people have, especially Americans, of you know what life is it like in in Thailand. I, I I probably still have friends who think I live in some hut somewhere with no electricity. Uh, I mean, we're in a really nice office building, nice conference room. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, we can have, if we wanted to, we can go out, out and have New Zealand lamb, you know, some ste nice steaks tonight. We can go get, you know, dark chocolate from Switzerland. You know, you can get basically whatever you want. You can get world-class jiu-jitsu out here. You can get, we can ice skate. I mean, there's... Yeah, you can do anything. Yeah, really. Like, there's really nothing in, in the U.S. that we don't have here anymore. And five years ago, it was a lot harder. I actually remember five years ago, it was hard to find uh, things like dark chocolate. You know, it was hard to find, uh, like if you wanted to do jujitsu with a gi five years ago, it didn't exist. Not possible. Uh, I remember when I, so when I first met a Buket Top Team, it was, a, I think it was two weeks before the grand opening. So there was, I think one or two other guys there and you know, but I was, I was basically, I started training there before it opened and I was one of the first people to, to stay in those, uh, those economy rooms, those budget rooms. Yes. You know, and it was fun. It was really fun. Uh, and I would say the only downside to it was there wasn't enough people there. It was, you know, so the classes were really small, which was nice for one-on-one, -on -one, you know, kind of training. Uh, the couple of jujitsu classes I did, it was me, um, the, the professor, the you know, I guess a professor at the time, um, and it was like one other student, and that was it. And the Muay Thai classes were small, but I was really into Muay Thai at the time, so it was it was fine. But all the equipment was brand new. It had a nice, nice. indoor mat, uh, air conditioned. You know, the, how's the equipment now? How's it held up? Because I know it's been a few years. The facilities are great there at Phuket Top Team. The entire area around Phuket Top Team is so focused on training. Um, for martial arts and fitness that new facilities are opening up all the time um, it's a, an amazing economic boom town right now which is great um, it's also very cheap there still so Phuket top team is great uh, you know probably the best place to train in my opinion it's the best place to train but there's just all these new places to train like CrossFit and general strength and training and, and different things. Um, it's just a great area. Yeah, it's the, I don't know, is there a name for that street yet? People call it the Tiger Muay Thai Street. Yeah. That's what, you know, we have to give credit to them because they were the original. Yeah, I mean, Tiger Muay Thai is the original, the biggest. Know, 
like uh, it's soy tied in okay. in Chalong in Phuket. It doesn't really have like a a good name. It it needs one yeah. for sure. Well, you can call it the MMA Street. I guess someday there will be a name for it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure. Only now, like the, the kind of the news is getting out that this street exists, and it's a very special place for all the listeners out there. It's a unique place, um, and when people go to this area. 100% everyone wants to come back. Oh, um, yeah. I've never met anyone to train there that didn't come back. Uh, my first trip out there was 2009. I went to Tiger Muay Thai for 10 days, I think. And to me, it was a, I had to plan it. I had to plan it for three months, you know? I, w- I kept emailing them and saying, hey, do you, have, do you have combination on site? What, you know, what should I eat? Uh, do you guys have food? Do you have a meal plan I can sign up for? Like, what are my classes going to be? It was such a big deal to me. And then once I got there, I realized, you know what? This is actually pretty easy. Like, it's easy. Once you're here, it's, it's really easy. So then I had gone back again for six months to train. And when, then I had, you know, I was like, okay, I enjoyed my time, but it's time to move on. So I started traveling around the rest of Thailand doing other things. But when Phuket Top Team opened, I was like, you know what? Let me go back again and let me let me check out this Phuket and see how, how it's changed. And it's changed so much since then. I bet you if I go back right now, I won't recognize half of it. Oh, yeah. Your mind would be blown. Even myself, um, I will go down streets and I will, I will be lost. And I will think, wow, I, I used to know where this is. But all the old buildings are gone. And now there's like these new uh, apartments and, and monthly mansions and restaurants. But that's good because it would... It was really lacking combination for a while. Um, the only places to really stay on that soy, on that street, was either the limited amount of rooms at the gym itself. There was a couple kind of more high-end resorts that charged quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and then there was Tony's Place, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of apartments, and that was it. And it, I remember them saying, oh yeah, if you want um, a cheaper place to stay, you can stay at the YMCA, like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes away. And I was like, no, there's no, no way I want to stay there. Um, so that's that's really good that they're, they're building it up for you know for people training. And if you've ever watched The Ultimate Fighter and you've dreamed of living that lifestyle where you live in one area, one house with other people dedicating their lives to training MMA, training jiu-jitsu, and that's all they want to do is you know eat, sleep, and train. That is the place to go. And it doesn't for matter sure. if you go to Phuket Top Team or you go to Tiger Muay Thai. Um, you know that street, that area is going to be. You're going to meet everybody. I mean, yep. it's going to be crazy. All right. Uh, I wrote a lot about it in my blog. You have to go to the archives. Uh, it's myfightcamp.com. And I basically, I wrote, you know, daily life style updates, made a lot of videos of what it was like training at both gyms. And that's how the book 12 Weeks of Thailand stemmed. It was, you know, nice. Uh, I think till this day, if you, if you write, if you Google Tiger Muay Thai versus Phuket top team, I'm still one of the top three results on, on nice, my blog. Nice, nice. And you know, it just because, and it was only because in the beginning people kept asking me. So because I had, I was one of the few people who who had trained at both. Uh, now I'm glad this rivalry kind of died down a lot. Yeah. Now they realize there's room for both. Um, right. I would say 100% if. You want to do jiu-jitsu with a gi, go to Phuket Top Team. Right, yeah. That's really the only option for jiu-jitsu. Yeah. And it's uh, such a very good uh, situation there. The professor, uh, Olavo Abreu, is a third-degree black belt, Brazilian guy, very good guy, great training. I would say that the class sizes, the training sizes, have definitely increased since your time there. And since my uh, my time beginning there, I think when I, when I started, it was around maybe three or four guys training each time, uh, and now we'll have between thirty and fifty every that is time. Crazy! I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna have they're just gonna break it down. Uh, my suggestion would be to have a dedicated white belt class, um, and you know have a separate mixed class, and that'll alleviate it right away. Um, so Boyd, if you listen to that, <laughs> yeah, Boyd, I, I second that. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Boyd, really cool guy. So I met him when he was first starting the gym and got to know him as a guy, you know, and he started because he was just so passionate about MMA and jujitsu and, you know, just all the fighting sports that he wanted to create his vision of the, of the perfect gym. Um, and you know, in the beginning there was a lot of tension about it because he had opened the gym on the same street as Tiger Muay Thai. But at the end of the day, I think it's actually better for customers and people wanting to go to train because now they have the option of both. 
Um, and it builds a community on the street where it allows restaurants and you know these hotels to open up to cater right. for people. And you know, there's you know, so I'm I'm really glad they're both around. I'm, I'm glad that they both you know figured out what they're going to specialize in as well. Yes. Yes. So, so that's a very cool thing. Um, so it's more expensive to train jujitsu out here in Thailand than it is in the U.S. Yeah, that's that's a bit odd, um, and it's definitely the the truth. Um, it's more expensive than it was for me in Tokyo. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how much how much is monthly unlimited classes in the U.S., Tokyo, and then Thailand? I don't know about the U.S. How much was it in the U.S.? I think it's one twenty a month for most okay. places. I think it was about one one hundred and fifty U.S. dollars in Tokyo. Okay. And that's just for jujitsu. Okay. And Phuket Top Team, I think it's somewhere near three hundred. Three hundred bucks a month. And at first, I thought that was insane. You know, I'm like, why is it double the price in Thailand, where it's so much cheaper right. than it is in the U.S., where you know it's expensive, but you people train three times as much here. I mean, in, in the U.S., most people do jujitsu for a couple of days a week. Yeah. Uh, after work. Yeah. For one hour. Yeah. It's not even a full hour class. Right. Uh, here, how, how are the classes still an hour or what are they? I think it's an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. And you can train if if you are a complete animal and yeah. you just trained everything. You could train. I think it's seven times a day. <laughs> you could train uh, Muay Thai starting from 7 a.m. Oh. Next, you train jujitsu, uh, maybe lunchtime, strength and conditioning, yeah. boxing, more Muay Thai, wrestling, uh, more jujitsu, no gi jujitsu. You know, yeah. if, you, if you have enough physical power to do that, then respect. So, a big tip that I mentioned in the book that if you want to save money, uh, just sign up for like 10 classes at a time just pay yeah. for pay for a 10 class pass even though you think that you're going to be this madman and train twice a day six days a week i guarantee you're not especially right. when you first arrive because first you're not acclimatized to it you're gonna get you're gonna be so exhausted after each workout right um you'll train hard for like four days and then you'll have to take like another four days at least yeah. off because you'll be like sick and your body will be hurt and you also want to do things like enjoy the beach you want to go to Kopipi for these you know, great island trips. You're gonna do a lot of these things. Um, however, if you you know if you can afford it, you've saved up for your budget for, it, and you like, and you don't want to think about it, you, do, you just want to do unlimited class. Yeah, then then do it. I mean, most people end up doing the unlimited class just because it's it's easier to keep track of. There's a lot of people that come uh, to train for what they call a fight camp. So they're preparing for some kind of a, a fight that they have, be it a professional fight or some kind of serious amateur fight. And they will train very hard, full time, uh, for maybe two months, maybe even three months. So for that type of guy, you know, this unlimited full-on training is perfect. For guys maybe more like uh, you and I, Johnny, that want to go to the beach and we just... We, we implement uh, training and these activities just as a, another part of our lifestyle. Yeah, you know, train once a day. For me, train, training once a day in the morning at 10.30 a.m. just makes for it's, a it's great perfect. day. It really is perfect. I mean, you, I really don't think anyone needs to train twice a day unless you're preparing for a competition. I do know that when I was uh, living in Tokyo, training twice a day was the norm. Yeah. So the, the guys all would come in the morning uh, 10 around 10 train do whatever in the afternoon and then come back again at six and certainly that is the way to improve twice as fast and train twice as much uh, but uh, here in thailand maybe it's because of the climate or because of the level of the opponents i personally could not physically train twice a day uh even Though I, I I want to sometimes. I feel like people here train harder as well because in the U.S. people you know have jobs they have you know these these other obligations so they show up let's say you know trainings every night from seven to eight usually people are a little bit late class doesn't really start until seven fifteen um, there's a little bit of a warm up you train a little bit and you don't even sometimes you don't even roll every day I mean you know a good school would roll every day at least uh, but it's less than an hour class and nobody's really trying to kill each other because most people are just doing it as a hobby. While here, you're training with professional mixed martial art fighters yes. 
<laughs> and they have nothing better to do. I mean, like literally, yeah, they w- they live at the gym, they eat there, they sleep there. So they show up 15 minutes early to each class. They're already warmed up, and you just start going for an hour and a half, yeah. hard, yeah, every day. Yeah. And that's why it's 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 tougher, you know. And th- that's why the, the training here is more intense. Uh, speaking of which, they have a program called the uh, was this is zero to hero white white belt to blue belt uh train jiu-jitsu training right in three months three months get your blue belt in three months and i know that was a bit controversial in the beginning definitely controversial but i've seen the way that this program has been run i've i've rolled i've sparred with uh the guys that got their belts i spar with the guys that um didn't get their belts even though they completed the the three month uh, program and I personally am am not in a position to say who should be a blue belt or not I, I, I am a blue belt and certainly but you the took guys, the long path I mean it, you trained for how long for you I trained belt? for more than two years to get my blue belt okay. uh, I don't know if that's a long path but it's different for me or, yeah, or not but it's different for everyone I mean I've technically trained for four years but because <laughs> I never actually train. I'm still a low-level white belt. And uh, so before we even jump into this, the belt system in jiu-jitsu actually matters. And it actually works. Yes. If a, if you are a black belt in taekwondo, there's a chance you're a 12-year-old kid that can't beat <laughs> my sister in a street fight. You know, a good chance. Like, I would, I would put money on my sister. <laughs> but if you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu, I guarantee this guy will mess you up so there's five belts in jiu-jitsu yeah. starts from white uh then blue then purple then brown then black uh and the common saying is that a blue belt in jiu-jitsu is like a black belt in anything else i really believe so I and mean, i honestly believe that if at least i would say a blue belt any blue belt but definitely anything higher anything anyone that's purple or brown they will i would put all my savings on them messing up anyone in the world. I don't care how strong yeah, or how good of a fighter true. someone else is. It's true. If they have that level of experience in jiu-jitsu and it, it's a fight that goes to the ground, I would put all my money on them no matter what because it's legitimate. And, and, and that's what I really like about jiu-jitsu. It really restored my faith in martial arts. My entire life growing up, especially as an Asian guy, I felt really like almost sad that martial arts was all BS. Every karate, every kung fu, ninjutsu, wing chun, tai, you know, taekwondo, mm-hmm. any, and you know, and if you if you think that because your martial art uh, is some obscure thing that I, you know, that no one ever talks about about, it's because no one's ever heard of it and it doesn't work. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but jujitsu legitimately works. The belt system legitimately works, and I really, really, you know, I I think it's amazing. So. The white belt to blue belt in three months is a huge undertaking. But what is actually involved? What do they need to do to get this blue belt? I think the way that the situation is, is designed to work is that these guys aren't starting at zero. Uh, they're, they're coming to uh, a top team to improve their jiu-jitsu and their mixed martial arts, which means that they have a background in jiu-jitsu already. So it's not starting from zero. And the requirement is that they train twice a day, every day, for three months. Uh, I think that's only five days a week. Uh, five days a week for three months. And maybe they can miss three training sessions. Total. Total in three months. So you can, they can miss one class per month. Right. That's crazy. That, that's, that's harder than high school. So that's, that's compressing a lot of training into a small amount of time. And when you also consider that that these guys don't have their their mental space taken up by things like work or their other friends that they had back in their hometown or whatever, uh, they're, they're completely focused on this. And a lot of them, uh, the majority, really dedicate themselves. And there's uh, maybe two sides to... Uh, becoming a, a blue belt or increasing your belt in jiu-jitsu. One would be the technical aspect. Have you memorized and can you implement with reflex these specific techniques? Uh, 
and, and a technique would be used in some situation to, to gain an advantage or to do a defense against your opponent. So how much of this have you memorized and can implement? That's one important thing. But then there's a completely separate and possibly more important element, which is how much have you developed and how much has jujitsu changed or taken hold in your life? That's very, very important. A lot of these guys come in, um, and I don't mean any disrespect by saying this, they might be like punk kids. And then they train twice a day jujitsu, three months, you know, they become men with respect they really do. for themselves and for others. That is worth recognition. And also, it's important to know that that, that jujitsu practitioner has that mindset versus a beginner who would have this wild punk mindset yeah. and they wear the blue belt so that in the training I can look at them and I can I can know that they they have a certain level of maturity in their mind and in their jiu-jitsu techniques and that when we spar together I can I can predict what our sparring will be like and that's why we wear the belts yeah and I and it actually does you know, it really works. I mean, if I look at someone in their blue belt, I know they're going to be a certain level. If I see someone that's, you know, a purple, brown, or black, I know guaranteed that even if I'm mounting them and they're half my size, they can just throw me off yeah. easily. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so I just took a look at the, the website, PuketTopTeam.com, and their three-month Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu white belt to blue belt, IBJJF, what, what does that stand for? International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Okay, certified boot camp, 28,000 baht uh, for the three months. That's $933 US. So that's actually not that bad if, you know, to be guaranteed your belt as long as you actually pass these these tests. And it's not it's not guaranteed. I see a lot of guys that, that, that come in and they do the three months and they don't get the blue belt. They, they get maybe four stripes on their white belt, which is kind of like a, an intermediate ranking before blue belt that happens but it's cool that you know they they have that because you know if anyone's willing to dedicate you know three months of their life two times a day five days a week and not miss any classes and learn this stuff you know what big props to them i think they they deserve a belt and you know i'm definitely in no position to, to give one out but you know, I do think that's a, and it's a great, it's a great marketing thing as well for PTT. And I'm glad they don't just give it out, you know, like some internet uh, testing things where, you know, you actually make these people put in the work. What I would recommend for people to do is come for that three month course. And at the end of it, if you get your blue belt or not, you know, just keep training afterwards. I think come. that's the key that the, the mark of the blue belt, because there's so few belts, um, when you have the white, you could feel like you're at level zero. Mm -hmm. When in fact you're not. You've you've improved your 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 uh, your jujitsu to you know something more than zero. And there there could be a risk for some people that if they stay for such a long time at at white belt that they might just stop. Yeah. And they they feel like they they've never achieved anything. They're still at zero. When in fact they're not. But it's very, very rare to see somebody get to blue belt in jiu-jitsu and not continue training for the rest of their life. That, that's absolutely true. And that's why they had the belt system in Taekwondo and karate and that stuff is to make you feel like you're, you know, you're advancing and you're getting better. And unfortunately, all those martial arts, and I would say, you know, I'm sure there's an exceptional rule. And don't think because I'm saying this that you're the exceptional rule and your gym is the best. You know, your dojo for karate probably still sucks. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, it's majority of them, they use that that belt system as a way for kids to get their parents to spend more money and to continue uh, putting them through classes. While in jiu-jitsu, it's, it's, you know, it's the one that's actually kind of legitimate where, you know, they're not going to give you your blue belt just so you can pay for another year's class up front you know but they I, I almost guarantee you they'll do that in the taekwondo class they're like yeah you, you know oh you don't pay for another year up, up front yeah we'll, we'll, we'll test you for your next belt no problem <laughs> um so <laughs> i want to kind of wrap this up a bit but this has been been really interesting i actually i feel bad now i had uh, my buddy nick 
on episode, I think it was episode 10 of the podcast, and we talked about online business, and we didn't even talk about jujitsu. Oh, no. Because <laughs> Nick, he's a black belt, and he's all about that. Yeah, and he's, you know, not only is he a black belt, he was uh, Roger Gracie's first black belt ever. Uh, and so he's a legitimate jujitsu guy. And his whole life is just dedicated to the max to, <laughs> to jujitsu. Uh, so shout out to, to Nick. He's yeah. the owner of uh, Jiu-Jitsu Brotherhood. Uh, but the, I think the reason why I'm more comfortable talking to you about Jiu-Jitsu is we're closer to levels. You know, like because you know you've been, you, even though you've been doing for for so many years and you're blue belt, you know it's we can still talk about training at top team together. You know, kind of yeah. you know get you know kind of getting through the beginners Agreed. beginners hardships. While I don't like if I talk to Nick about Jiu-Jitsu, it's like. I mean, he's a master and I'm a, a beginner. It's, it's like, I have no idea what to even ask him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's how it goes. That's another reason why we wear the belts. You know, yeah. you're just talking about a verbal conversation here. But when you go to, to train, the conversation of jujitsu, the physical conversation would be similar. You and I would be closer and we would signify that with our belts. And yeah. Nick, he's, he's a black belt. You know, he's another level. He's, he's speaking the language more fluently than than we can that's true so if someone wanted to come out to thailand for for three months to do to do jujitsu uh what would you recommend they do and what would you recommend they bring i would recommend that uh they get in touch with tony from tony's restaurant okay (laughs) this guy he's like a local I don't know if I would say celebrity, but he's a local businessman and he has has a restaurant and he has bungalows and he has motorbikes and he has everything and all his stuff is really, really cheap. So that's kind of like the go-to guy. If you want to get anything done, you should go talk to Tony. I don't know if you would be able to to really get in touch with him from overseas. You'd have to try that out. Uh, Uh, I I would say show up. You know, have yeah. you know, have at least your first night's accommodation booked somewhere, and then go talk to him. Yeah. I would say the yeah. only the yeah. only downside to go getting everything through Tony is you'll end up feeling like you owe him. He's almost kind of like the the Tony Soprano of <laughs> of Phuket. That's quite possible. Yeah, and you start feeling obligated to get everything through him and eat at his restaurant every day. Mm. And if okay, you, that's it, dangerous. Don't do that. Yeah. So if you end up you know deciding, hey, let's try this restaurant across the street named Jaja. You're, he's, you know, it's, you're going to feel like, you know, he's going to, he's going to, he's not going to be happy. So I would say the only downside to getting everything through Tony is you'll, you'll feel so comfortable because he'll take care of everything for you and add a good price as well. And it's good food is that you'll feel you like, you won't branch out and there's a lot of local restaurants you can eat at oh, yeah. a lot of you know other places you can go that you just end up not going because it'd be so comfortable to go through him all the time. That's always a risk that you, you can get into a, an easy groove or a rut yeah. in a, a new place and you you only eat at one restaurant when you have hundreds of other I was I was eating at his place literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you know it was a little bit different also a couple of years ago because there wasn't that many other restaurants on the street. And now there, I know there's more variety. But it was one of the five restaurants. It was Mama's, Jaja's, you know, and some other illuminations, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And... You know, so we kind of just ate at his place all the time until, you know, if you eat anywhere for two months in a row, you know, you, you don't want to try something else. And as soon as I did and I started trying to get other people, my friends to go to other places, you know, he wasn't too happy with me um, just because, you know, you're taking business away from him. Um, but it's definitely if you're only there for a few weeks, you know, it's a great place to get started. Uh, as far as jiu-jitsu gear Let's, if someone's going for three months and they're dedic- let's say they're going to do this uh, three month white belt to blue belt plan, what would you tell them to bring? Should they should they bring their own keys or sh- can they get uh, it there? If you if you have your gi, mm-hmm. yeah, bring your gi. Um, you can you can get some really good gis uh, at Phuket Top Team. Uh, for sure, Phuket Top Team is a place to go for jujitsu, so um, you can get everything you need there. Um, and yeah, you just you just need your basic traveling gear and everything is accessible i think it's a big misconception that you need to bring all the stuff uh, i know that aside from top team i don't know if there's anywhere else to really buy geese in thailand so i would definitely recommend bringing your own and especially because you know you might want to buy one ptt gi as a souvenir or training but you don't want to have you don't want three of them and you it's actually kind of cool to have 
like different brands and different styles that other people don't have. So you know, it doesn't get mixed up when you're drying it, when you're washing it, things like that. Sure. Uh, as far as laundry service, do you know? Do they have laundry service for geese out there? Um, they've they've got a bunch of different laundry services, and a, a lot of the um, bungalows um, have some laundry service. So okay. that's not a big deal. Um, I you know I don't, I personally don't care if you guys buy the book or not because it's not my main revenue stream anymore. But it has a really good information in there about you know the cost of living, what to, what to pack, uh, my reviews of the time I was at Tiger Muay Thai and Phuket Top Team and just travel information like how to not get ripped off by taxis and things like that uh, so the book is 12weeksinthailand.com and it's I, I guarantee you 1000% that if you read the book before you make a trip out to Thailand you will save more money than the $10 it's going to cost you to buy the book if not just shoot me an email I'll, I'll give you 10 bucks back <laughs> right. uh, so James thank you so much for, Thanks, for being on the show thank you very uh, much I enjoyed out, it yeah and Good luck out in uh, back in Phuket and training jiu-jitsu. And I'll see you when you're a uh, purple belt, right? Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.